0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, our mission is to create the next generation of great bosses. We do this through a variety of training programs, which include our 13-month live masterclass, The Art of Being a Great Boss. This program provides the basic building blocks for being an effective lead, supervisor, or manager. We also have a 13-month live virtual masterclass, The Art of Being a Great Teammate, In this program, we work with individual contributors, building the people and technical skills that will make them more effective. Many of these modules refer to the work in our management program so all employees can be on the same page. A new program for this year is our Art of Being an Administrative Superstar. Your admin staff is the backbone of your organization. This program gives them the important problem-solving and decision-making tools which will absolutely increase their effectiveness. We offer a number of one-hour short topic seminars as well, and these are perfect for in-service training and brown bag lunches. Finally, we offer the opportunity to license all of our materials so your in-house trainers can deliver our programs. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com or call us at 931-221-2988. Well, today we are actually three weeks into january of 2023 and for some of you you were already running hard with your goals some of you are kind of getting stuck out of the blocks but when it comes to your learning and development goals this is the time to start executing now if you haven't done your planning and thinking about what you want to do in the coming year or i guess the current year today's episode is for you jessica prater is a consultant she's a learning expert She's a master of training and development and coaching, and we sat down together to talk about trends and learning and development for this coming year. Lots and lots of things that I hadn't actually thought about, helpful stuff even for us here at Boss Builders, but I know certainly some things that'll be beneficial to all of you as you are really looking at your learning and development goals for the year. Jessica has a special session that she's gonna invite you to, and that link, and she'll give this to you at the end, but I'll give it to you right now just in case you wanna get a head start, jpraterconsulting.com slash hroxygen so you can go ahead and sign up for the session that she's doing on february the 9th 2023 to help you really look at some good tools to help you figure out your learning and development goals it was a great talk jessica is somebody who's local here in the nashville area so let's quit talking about her let's talk to her you know what time it is let's make sure the personal items tucked under the seat in front of you make sure the seat belt is buckled low and across your hips Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the
1: cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe.
0: Jessica Prater, welcome to the show.
2: Hi Mac, how are you?
0: I'm really good. Jessica, it's good to see you this morning. And uh, so we we wanna definitely timestamp this session because you have a very special event coming up here in a few weeks. So it is the uh, third week of January, 2023. We're into the new year. And with the new year, this is a time when maybe companies are starting to think about, well, hopefully they've been thinking about it, but you know, hey, we're gonna launch learning and development this year. So it's this year. And so you've got some interesting thoughts to share with us today about maybe some trends in learning and development, some things that we can think about. So I'm excited to hear about that. But before we get into the questions, Jessica, please share your journey with us. Tell us how you got started and what you're working on today, and then we'll go ahead and dive in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Jessica Prater. Um, I have been in human resources and learning and development for 15 years now. I have an educational background in counseling and a graduate degree in industrial organizational psychology, which is basically the application of psychology at work. I started my professional career at a large multinational uh, manufacturing organization, spent seven years in human resources, so I was a business partner and generalist, and then moved into a functional training area. So I was actually not in HR for a few years, embedded within the business, serving in training and development. In 2016, I had my son. Uh, I, at the time, was serving an international audience and was on a plane a whole lot and decided I did not want that lifestyle with a little infant at home. And so I walked away from my corporate job, was gonna be a stay-at-home mom. That, that did not suit me so well, so I ended up opening my business. Um I started my business in 2016. I'm actually a fifth-generation business owner, so business ownership was something that always interested me and opened my business, worked very part time for a couple of years and then have slowly grown and scaled my business. I do corporate training. I also do coaching and I do custom organizational development projects. So it, I'm now almost in my seventh year of business. So I'm about to be to the point where I've run a consulting business for as long as I, I was in the corporate world now.
0: So which of them has been more challenging for you? The corporate lifestyle of flying all over or having your own business while having a young child at home?
2: That's a great question. I think they're both, they were both challenging in different ways. You know, my corporate career, I started out as someone that had a lot of book knowledge, but not a lot of practical knowledge. As someone in manufacturing, particularly as a woman, I was in a room with a lot of men and a lot of people that had very different backgrounds than me. Um, I had just kind of a great experience, loved my corporate experience and loved my role. It was challenging because I was constantly asked to do stuff that I didn't necessarily know how to do and had a great mentorship team around me that helped train me up. I kind of cut my teeth in the fire. (laughs) And uh, I'll say business ownership has been challenging because it too is kind of, you know, figuring it out on the fly, figuring it out as you go. You know, I felt like those first seven years, I really built, built my understanding on practically how to do things with training and development. You know, the business ownership side has been growing and developing business. Um, that too has been very different. And then, you know, balancing it with being a mom. Uh, I'll have to say with both of those with my journey, you know, for me, it's always been just learning new things and, and not being afraid to try stuff. So they were both di- challenging in different ways.
0: Well, you're very active. I mean, of, of of course, I have a lot of connections on LinkedIn, but I always see yours. It's like you have solid meat. In other words, there's not two lines like I got to scroll down and see what you have to say. But you're very active in what you do. And so, yeah, I mean, understanding having a business of my own. Yeah, it is 100 times harder than working for the man. Uh, but 100 times more satisfying. But you definitely put in the hours in the work, that's for sure. But yeah, my hope is that if you're listening to this today, you follow Jessica on LinkedIn, she'll give us her contact in a little bit, but she's always got practical things to say. So Jessica, we're going to go into that part of your career path, I guess, that has been the most fun and meaningful for you, the learning and development. And we want to talk about some of the trends that you're seeing So why don't we start with those? We're entering 2023. My hope is that COVID is in the rearview mirror and and we watch it get run over by the car that's driving behind us and it's dead and gone like a dead armadillo. No more COVID, all gone. So now what are the trends? We've, We've seen people adjusting to remote and whatever. What are you seeing on the horizon now?
2: Some of the things—it's it, early 2023, and again, if you're listening to this, I, I want you to recognize that this is still relevant because we are going to continue to see changes throughout the year in 2023. Um, I feel like COVID changed so much. I, Mac, I've had so many conversations with my HR friends, and we've just never seen anything like you know 2021, 2022 um, before. Um, between you know coming out of COVID you know, the, the great re- recession, the, you know, people that are, you know, kind of stepping back from work, reevaluating work. Um, we've seen record levels of turnover. If you're in HR listening to this, I think you can agree. We, ca- we haven't quite seen anything like the last few years. And so at this point, we're really looking at, you know, where are we with 2023? Some trends that I'm seeing as I'm talking both with, you know, other colleagues in learning and development, but also with businesses, you know, very important that we are leveraging the resources that we have to really maximize our learning and development. You know, in years past, there has been a recognition that, you know, we need to learn and focus on learning and development. We need to, you know, empower our people. I think when we saw a large group of people that resigned in 2021 and 2022, it wasn't just because of paychecks, and we did see some races for you know paychecks and salaries, but beyond that, people were looking for opportunities to be at roles that they loved and roles that they were able to develop in. I think as a business, you should not only be competitive with your total compensation strategy, but you should also include your training and development within that. So trends that I'm really seeing are businesses that are really looking at the total offerings that they're giving their people. You know, I'm also seeing a lot of discussion about getting back in the classroom. We've done so much virtual over the last couple years and don't get me wrong, I love virtual. There are some things that are completely appropriate for virtual sessions. I was with a team last week that we had people call in from all over the United States and because of the type of role that they had, it would have been physically impossible for all of them to take off, to get in a room for two days and work through what we needed to work through. So there's a lot of good sides to virtual. But the flip side is I'm seeing people that are craving in-person sessions. In-person sessions that tend to be a really popular thing right now, but I'm also seeing that people are asking for less time. We are seeing a little bit less of those multi-day engagements. We're seeing more of a mix of doing training and development in person while businesses may be doing summits. They might be doing, you know, bringing all their team in for a few days and learning and development is just one piece of it. And so really maximizing those in-person sessions and really making sure that we're supporting it with sustainment so whether that be coaching on the job training or mentoring we are really taking those in-person sessions and reaching out with them and making sure they really count
0: so when you're looking at the need for training i mean and maybe this is just me and maybe it's maybe it is me right i i rarely have an audience That is knocking down the door to get in like oh my god i got to sit in the front row because max is going to give us training like no one wants to be there and when i was a corporate employee and back when i was on active duty the thing that i hated more than anything was in service training or training so is it that the hr and learning and development people want the training or do the employees actually want it
2: yeah that's a great piece of saying we really need to be looking at that right we need to be looking at what's in it for me for the folks that are coming, are we simply doing training to check the box and say, "Hey, great, we did training. We feel good about ourselves." But when we walk away, is it really leading to behavior change? There are certainly going to be times where folks come into a training and they don't necessarily want to do it. Listen, we all have bad days. I have bad days. You have bad days, right? But for the overwhelming majority, we need to create that whiffle moment of saying, "You know, what's in it for you? What behavior changes? You know, are are you?" aiming towards, and how can this learning opportunity really meet your needs to close that gap?
0: That's actually a a nice jump off to my next question. So if I am managing a team of people, what's the best way for me to figure out what learning and development they actually need? Do I let them tell me, or should I be being uh, a little bit more proactive with this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Mac, I know you mentioned earlier you, you had had a previous episode of talking about feedback and my recommendation is to pair those development conversations with feedback discussions, to pair those conversations of saying, what do you think that you need? What do you think you need to develop? It's really important for, if you're a leader of others, that you are having that face-to-face time with someone and asking regularly, hey, you know, what, what kinds of goals do you have? What kinds of growth or trajectory are you interested in being on? constantly having that conversation. You know, I'm still a big fan of having regular performance reviews. I know that that is gone in and out of, of, you know, trend, out of style. You know, I think there is a real value of having a set number of times that you're actually gonna sit down and document something. You know, we see high levels of turnover and what is, you know, most jarring sometimes is a manager leaves and with that, the knowledge of the growth and development path of their team. And so having a very good plan of we're going to sit down, we're going to fill out a development you know, plan together. We're going to talk about that and then have it documented so that that's something that lives with that employee through the length of the time that they're with the business. So really making sure as a leader, if you're wanting to determine those best learning paths, to actually sit down and ask, you know, where are you wanting to go? What do you want to develop? And then as well as a leader being very connected in the offerings, both that your business has, but also what's available, you know, within your community and within your network as well.
0: So we're seeing the trend that now companies are pushing to have a little bit more on-site, in-person, instructor-led training. You've given us the the trend that you know people want to hear back from their manager; they want to know. So here's the elephant in the room: How about What's this going to cost me, especially now that I'm being told i got to cut my budget? And, you know, I know you've experienced it, I've seen it too, that training tends to be one of the first things that gets cut, and shortly after then we start downsizing the training in the HR departments, which is unfortunately kind of a pattern we've seen. Mm-hmm. So how do we make room in our budget for this? Is it that important that we should cut something, or how do we navigate that, Jessica?
2: As an HR professional, we have to be able to speak to the numbers. We have to be able to speak to, you know, both the turnover and what it might be potentially costing us if we're not growing and developing our people. You know, whether it be actually mistakes that they're making or, or problems, whether it be folks that are not learning how to manage others and then they're having great turnover with their team, we need to be able to speak those numbers. You know, if as you're looking at budgets becoming tight, and we're all seeing it, We're all seeing across industries that we're seeing um, some of this effects of inflation that happened in 2022. And looking at this idea of making sure training is strategic, I would argue that before you look at having any training, you need to first target the behaviors that you wanna change as a result of that training. We can't just get in a room with great content and say, well, I hope this sticks. That's the equivalent of throwing spaghetti against the wall and hoping that it's done. We wanna make sure that we start with the behaviors that we're wanting to change. And so many times we skip over that important conversation because it might be awkward, right? It means that we have to first start with, well, what are we not doing right? What are we not identifying? And so starting with that behavior first in mind. So as we think about the behaviors that we wanna change and who the best audience is for that, it's really important to work backwards from there. It's really important to say, What are the behaviors that are costing us the most? What are the behaviors, whether it be costing turnover, technical errors, safety issues, and then backing up from there and saying, how do we leverage this change? And recognizing that starting with that behavior, we quickly see that the cost is too great to not do some of these trainings. The cost is too great not to empower people. And so thinking about being very fluent with your numbers as an HR professional, being very, you know, cost efficient is important, but recognizing the value of some of these behavior changes, which need to impact the business.
0: So you've given us kind of one way to assess needs on the one on one giving feedback. uh, Do organizations still do needs analysis? And and if so, what what are the tools that people are using now? Uh, Is it surveys? Or what are you seeing?
2: Yeah, so I still see organizations that are doing engagement surveys. I still see organizations that are doing pulse surveys. There are differing levels of how much data that we have, right? You may be a large multinational organization and you have the kind of data that you can dig into. Where are we seeing our greatest levels of turnover? Where are we seeing our greatest level of efficiency? You know, one of the best things that I'm seeing with organizations that they're doing are stay interviews. Now, I know this is qualitative in nature and some folks want to just see the hard data. But I'll tell you that doing stay interviews is some of the best ways to get information from people of what do we need to be doing differently. And we might uncover some trends across the organization that would be well suited for a learning and development. Uh, you know, initiative and a stay interview would be something that is conducted by a non-manager. And it really, if you're being cost efficient, you don't even have to use an external consultant. You can use cross, you know, cross reporting relationships, folks that don't necessarily report up through to leverage those. But having stay interviews and saying, you, you know, you're not leaving us. We want you here. You know, thanks for being here. But also gathering some of that qualitative data can help us see some trends. But yeah, I'm still seeing surveys. Pulse surveys, you know, maybe not our big, you know, huge engagement surveys as in the past, doing smaller pulse surveys with the technology that we have, but also those stay interviews are critical.
0: Yeah, so in thinking about, so we've used the terms learning and development over and over. Aren't those the same thing? Or if there's a difference, what is the difference? Because I would imagine that might change your whole, you know, how you look at it and how you budget for it.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Learning So so this is the Jessica Prater definition. In my my 15 years of experience, you know, where these are two separate arms to the same solution, learning is acquiring new information. Learning is, I don't know how to do this. I need to learn how to do this. It is a, you know, learning frameworks, learning processes, learning things that will help you kind of springboard. The development is the action piece. So once we learn that information, how are we using it? How are we using that information to springboard and really make sure that our development is making that learning stick. And so it's beyond just doing a single class. It's beyond just, you know, and listen, I I love the content that I teach, right? I, I am very bought into the things that I go in and share with the organizations. But if we don't have that development piece of making that a sustainment of actually leaning to. That behavior change, then that learning is not valuable because we're not actually using it. So we've got to have both arms of that, both learning and development, to make sure that that behavior change happens.
0: So, with those two separate things, it sounds like we could do a training course for the learning, but what are we going to use for the development piece? Is that further training or is it coaching what's that piece going to look like i think the the learning piece we got that down that's class right but what's the other part going to look like
2: so development can look a lot of different ways depending on the organization depending on you know what the team tolerates well or has time for those are all things you have to consider you know if you think about being cost efficient when i was internal to an organization we rolled out a large Um, leadership program across the organization and we did not have the bandwidth of the team was we did not have the time nor the staff to do bi-weekly coaching if I had designed the ideal program they would have gone through uh, the two-day course and then they would have had six months of coaching afterwards we did not have that kind of staffing to be able to do that and so what we did was we said what can we do to springboard on action to connect people and really drive behavior change, what we landed on was creating monthly calls that actually was a group coaching type situation that we connected everyone within the organization that had gone through that course. We had someone from, that was an alumni of the program that came and taught the the, retaught some of the concepts. We had someone that actually brought a problem for the team to work through. And then we did open question and answer time, and we actually did some leading questions and really worked through challenges that they were experiencing. That was a way that we did that very cost efficiently. You know, coaching is a great tool to make sure that we solidify training. So I have a little bit of a unique background. I've done training for a while. I'm actually a fairly new coach. I've only been doing coaching for two years now, and I'm just now pursuing my ICF certification. So I came to coaching, because I saw how valuable the learning was and we had done sustainment, you know, coaching was something that I had inherently did and had not realized it. But seeing this sustainment piece and how important it was, that was something that I recognized that I needed to offer within my business because we couldn't just have the learning by itself. Most people are gonna get so busy with what they're doing on a day-to-day basis that they're not going to follow through with that behavior change doesn't mean they're a poor performer, doesn't mean they're a bad person, right? But if we don't actually build in that functionality of what's your accountability mechanism, how are we working through problems, how are we focusing on that behavior change, then we're not gonna get the true value out of that learning like we would if we have some sort of development or sustainment option with that.
0: So you've done both of these now, you've led workshops, now you're coaching, which of those two do you enjoy doing most?
2: I love them both for different reasons.
0: It's a safe answer. Yeah, I love coaching except for the people I have to coach. I hate them, right?
2: No, I I (laughs) love my coaching clients. (laughs) I love my coaching clients. You know, I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I love each of them, Mac. You know, for me, I have some great frameworks that I use within my business. Um, There's a couple, you know, branded classes that I offer within my business, but I also teach some skills within my business that I've developed those modules out myself. One of the most rewarding things for those stand-up training courses is when you see it just the light bulb come on for somebody. You're teaching a theory, you're teaching a framework, and all of a sudden they connect to why this is such a valuable framework. You know, being frameworks that are well-researched and have years of, you know, science backing them of why they work, sharing that with someone, and then having them automatically say, man, I've seen this here, I've seen how this is, you know, How this is connecting. And that's my favorite part of training is just to see that light bulb come on and see people get excited about how they can apply it. The thing I love about coaching is seeing the change that people enact over time. You know, as someone that's fairly a new coach, you know, I've gotten to where I've started to see my clients that have gotten through their coaching engagements and getting on the other side. And, you know, you do those post session surveys, you do those post engagement surveys. And just seeing the incremental changes that they've had from the beginning of their coaching commitment to the end. And we literally pull out their pre-coaching survey of what they wanted to work on and then their post-coaching survey of what they said that they've improved. And just to be able to walk alongside someone and ask those powerful questions and work with them from an accountability perspective, that to me is so valuable. And and there's nothing, you know, I, I don't do anything big and spectacular in coaching. It's my clients that show up um, you know, and really do the work. And so that to me is the most rewarding piece of seeing that action over a long period of time of how they change.
0: That's great. So let's talk about like some of the current trends. So what is, what are most people looking for when they want live? Is it one day, two day, half day? Um, it seems like the days of the old three day blowouts are kind of behind us now, but what are you starting to see?
2: Yeah. So I am seeing shorter, right? That, that tends to be when I talk with businesses, you know, they even want shorter than a full day, right? They're mm-hmm. wanting half days. They're wanting, you know, if, if it is virtual, they're wanting a 90 minute workshop, right? Um, and so I tend to see shorter. I, I see some really interesting things that te- technology is allowing for. Um, I partner with an organization called the Center for Leadership Studies, and they have rolled out what's called a polysynchronous format. Um, and it is self-paced along with live sessions. So mm-hmm. we are taking, you know, I, I, I told the story that when I went through the pilot program, I actually had COVID in the middle of the pilot program and I was on, in quarantine um, and literally was doing modules because I felt well enough uh, to, to do modules, but I wasn't, you know, working fully mm-hmm. because, of, because of having COVID. This idea of doing things at your own pace, but then having a live check-in um, I think is really the way of, of the future. Um, having those you know, smaller bites, and I'm with you, when I, when I started you know, 15 years ago, we had the two and three day summits. But I think technology is letting us bridge the gap. Technology is letting us do pre-work. Technology is letting us use virtual sessions to supplement what we're doing in person. I'm seeing businesses that when we all get in a room, we have a very clear vision of what we want to get accomplished and we cut the fat right we're there mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time and i i think covid more than anything has made us realize how valuable time is you know mm-hmm. i i've you know not seeing these these sessions where you know we're doing necessarily a couple days it's what what is most valuable when we're in the room it's the collaboration and brainstorming piece You know, everything else we can do is pre-work or post-work, right? So, Mm -hmm. being very targeted with our time and using our time in the room for its most value, I think that is the trend that we continue to see.
0: And what about for post-course evaluation? What are some of the things people are using now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm always a fan of Kirkpatrick when you talk about Mm -hmm. doing your levels of learning, and I think too, you know, looking at a longitudinal. measure of saying, you know, not just having our smile sheets, right? Not just having, Mm -hmm. how did you like that training, which I think, you know, sometimes we, we downplay those. It's good to get feedback in the moment, right? It's good Mm -hmm. to get feedback after someone is, is immediately done with training. But I think over the long term, it is going back to those feedback conversations with the managers and saying over a long period of time, are we reaching these behavioral indicators that we were looking for? are we changing our behavior if we're not what's standing in the way you know things happen that are beyond our control we have to be very mindful of that but having again that qualitative discussion of saying are you meeting your goals and then we also have our lag data right we all will always have that data of making sure we're looking at our turnover making sure we're looking at you know how attractive we are for others as we're hiring people in um so very important that we are matching both qualitative and quantitative data as we're looking at our, our initiatives.
0: Well, I have just one more question for you. Um, so if I was right now listening to this and I'm getting ready to go to college and I say, boy, I want to be Jessica Prater when I grow up, you obviously had a path. I had a path. I never realized I'd ever be in this field. I don't know if you did, but yet here we are. So if, if you were intentional, Like, what would you recommend for somebody to go and do what you're doing right now?
2: Oh, I love that question because I would have never imagined when I was 18 years old that this is where my path would have taken. And, um, you know, the podcast is not long enough for me to tell that story. (laughs) But, you know, I would say it's very important to get both a a education that helps you learn how to learn um, and also to say yes to opportunities even if you don't fully know how you're going to execute it and i'm not saying fake it till you make it but not being afraid to take on things that you're not sure how to do I can't speak highly enough of the MTSU I.O. program. Um, Full disclosure, I am an adjunct professor at MTSU, so I do have some buy-in for that program as well. I see behind the scenes and they are a fantastic team. Um, But I lucked my way into that uh, program uh, back in 2008. I had wanted to be a counselor um, and had gone through my practicums um, and realized counseling at the time wasn't for me. That was just not something that I wanted to do. Um, For me, the MTSU program helped spark me into, you know, what I wanted to do uh, with IO psychology. And so if you are going to do education, you know, in this field, I would see, be very intentional of what you want to get out of that education. You know, don't just go and get a degree because I'm supposed to go get a degree. Really focus on what's the outcome. For me, the MTSU IO program, I, I did a lot of research on them. They were very focused on practical side of things. And so even though I joked earlier in the podcast that I was very green when I started because I was, they did a great job of laying the foundation for me. Um, and so being very intentional, I would say to, you know, get in the room with as many people as you can that are doing what you want to do. I was very lucky to have mentors throughout my early career. Um, And I also had some great managers that advocated for me that really helped me figure out my own path. And I'll tell you this, Mac, you know, my my path is still evolving, you know, just like I added coaching to my business two years ago. If you had told me in 2016 when I started my business that I would have a coaching arm to my business, I, I would have laughed at you. That was not something that I wanted to pursue. That was not something that I saw any value in but because of me partnering with a couple coaches through my own business development it made me realize that there was a great place for that and also that we were not seeing a ton of millennial coaches that had a strong corporate background and so for me that was something that really was um, not just you know meeting the needs of folks in training and sustainment but also filling a space where i had people that were coming to me saying you know, I want this type of coach knowing that I could fill that role and they couldn't find another coach necessarily that had that type of background. So I would say thinking about career progression, always keep your eyes open and don't be afraid to try things would be my best advice for folks that are looking to go into either, you know, training and development, IO psychology, um, you know, anything in that type of field.
0: Excellent. Well, Jessica, you have an event coming up here in a few weeks so february the 9th is a big event It is. so as we wind this down what i'd like you to do is tell us about the event but then maybe more importantly tell our audience how they can reach out to you for training sessions for coaching and all the things that you offer
2: yeah absolutely i have a uh, workshop coming up on february 9th this is a free workshop it's going to be february 9th 11 15 central time Um, This is going to be a workshop called Charting Your Course, and we are going to focus on thinking about how you create a development plan based on the 2023 goals that you've created. And I know a couple people have said, hey, Jessica, February, right? We're already already a ways in. Well, February is about the time that people start losing steam on their goals (laughs) most of the time. And so we are gonna talk about the framework that I actually use when I go into businesses and talk to them about creating development programs for their team. Whether you are an individual contributor, a manager of others, or an HR business partner, there's gonna be something in this workshop for you. At the end of the day, you are gonna walk away with some actionable steps on how do I pick the best development tool for me based on what my needs are and based on what my goals and outcomes are. So I hope you guys will join us. and. I also will share with you guys, I have a special landing page for the listeners of the HR Oxygen podcast. It's jpraterconsulting.com slash hroxygen. There'll be more information about me and also information on how to sign up for that webinar.
0: Excellent. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for spending some time with us today and sharing some of your perspectives. And if you're listening to this today, please take Jessica up on the offer of the free session. That is February the 9th. There'll be a link in the show descriptor you can go to that but please reach out to her jessica thanks so much for being with us today thanks matt well thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the hr oxygen podcast i hope you enjoy listening to these as much as i enjoy making them i've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years And I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. We have every other month a Sherm credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs, More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And, as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.